series called the I Am series. And, and we've had so much understanding and learning about Jesus. That's who we're really trying to get to know in this series is who is Jesus? Who is he? Uh, and he introduces us to the Father and getting to know his character, getting to know what kind of uh, conversation would he have with us? What kind of uh, thoughts would he have about us? And we found that when we get to know him, some really cool things happen. We kind of have this thought around here that when you get to know God, freedom starts to get into your life. And, and when freedom gets in, man, you, you get free to be who you are. And so many times there's a lot of options and a lot of opportunities out there to choose to believe in. And believe just means I'm persuaded and it's what I stand for. It's what I'm, it's really what I'm honoring in my life. And I want to share this real quickly on the subject of honor before we go into where we are. Honor's a very powerful thing in the scriptures. Honor means esteem. It means to hold something up high. And then there's the opposite of honor. Actually, one definition of honor is to respect. And what would be the opposite of that would be disrespect. And when you look at the two terms, disrespect and respect, in the scriptures, you find out that disrespect's really the bigger definition to learn because it says to treat common or ordinary. And you know, Jesus was never common or ordinary. He understood the common and the ordinary man, but he was never common or ordinary. And if we begin to treat him as common or ordinary in our life and don't allow the character and the personality of who he is to come in and do what he's wanting to do in our life, then it limits us to a world of common and ordinary. And I don't think anyone in here wants that. One thing that I understand wholeheartedly is maybe the common man. That's kind of maybe one of my biggest hearts is towards the man that's, you know, the working man out there. And I understand what he's living, what he's doing through life. Well, so did Jesus. But but Jesus was able to cross all barriers of persons and, and avenues and facets of life. That's why he's not ordinary. He wasn't limited. He had no limits in who he was. He had no limits in his character and his personality. And that was the greatest challenge that he faced every time he was in the scriptures. And you see the writers record the parables that he used to teach people. And, you, and the writers tried to record all of the emotion and all the experiences that he had to the best of their ability but that was their greatest challenge was in Jesus because he was able to relate in such a way that it was hard for them to even capture the heart of who he was. It was actually the biggest battle that he faced constantly in portraying that I am. When you look at the phrase I am, when, when the Jewish people hear the phrase I am, they immediately connect that to something. They don't just connect it to the moment. You see, when you look at the he, they didn't they didn't have the New Testament like we do. They were just living life. That was their story that's been recorded here. So to them, the only reference that they had whenever they heard Jesus make certain statements, such as I am statements, he made seven of them that John recorded. And I'm convinced that the I am statements were doing something very powerful for, for us and for powerful for them. It was trying to take them from the place of the letter of the law to bridge the gap so that they could understand grace when it showed up into the world. But see, because they process everything from the letter of law. They process through. When they heard the I am statement, here's something that they, they, they immediately heard. The last time that they, in a sense, heard that was when, when it was spoken to Moses. I am was spoken to Moses. So when a common man or ordinary man, because that's how they looked at Jesus, 
just an ordinary man walking the streets because they knew how he was raised. They knew his father. They knew his occupation. They knew that many of them had seen him grow up in life. And this is only the, the years of ages of 30 so in his life. And when they begin to see this man that's just like you and I begin to make some very powerful statements to bridge a gap which they didn't understand to say, I am this and I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the vine. And he begins to make those real identifying statements. It was hard for them to process that because they looked at it like, wait a minute, you're, you're Jesus. I get it, you've been doing some crazy supernatural things, but we have sorcerers, we have people that do that all day long. And so when he's talking to the, sort, the, the, the Jewish culture, what he begins to do is he begins to bridge this gap. And he always in teaching, always in parable, is trying to connect them to something that they could identify in their life to bridge them to a place where they could actually see life. And when I look at this statement today, we're going to look at this called the I am the good shepherd. And you got to understand, man, this one hits home to me. And the word shepherd in the scripture, it really is the same word as pastor. And, and of course, that's what I do. I'm a pastor. Well, let me just, before I talk about me, let me just say, I think we're all shepherds. I think we're all pastors in a sense when you understand its meaning of our own life and our own heart. And that's why Jesus, Pastor Tiffany, so eloquent last week, she says, I am the gate. And that's a statement that Jesus made because he's the gate to your heart. And you're a pastor of your heart. You're a shepherd of your heart. And when you look at the, word def the definition of the word shepherd, that means it could be a lot of different things. But one is he's a tutor. He's a pilot. He's a counselor. He's a helper. He's a leader. And so when he begins to say the I am they're hearing this and he's becoming that and they're not trying they're not really connected him to the father as of yet and so that's why there was so much resistance and you see that's why he was the stone and that's why they tried to stone him tried to kill him so many different times and that's why the religion rose up and they beat it and they fought it and went against it but listen i don't want you to think that that's because they were bad people they weren't bad people they just believed in what they knew Jesus came to kind of shake that up a little bit. And what he was trying to shake up was that coming from a letter of a law of a do and a don't and what we would call today religion, this is something that's going to become relational. This is something that's going to become a heart individual relationship with someone that loves you and knows you more. And I love to say it, all of the intricate little secret parts of your heart, there's no one on this earth that will know those better than Jesus. There's no one that can identify with the even thoughts when you walk in the door this morning and, and, and you're thinking, man, if they just would, if I could just get out of there, I don't even want to be around. Jesus knows that. Man, I'm so afraid. I don't think I'm ever going to, I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do. Jesus knows that. And so he took the time to begin to kind of help us see, this is who I am and this is what I'm going to be. But I want you to, we're going to go into John chapter 10 this morning. If you want to turn there where this first statement is seen. And Pastor Tiffany really eloquently brought the story of, of this last week through the gate and bridged us into this chapter. But when we read this, I'm going to help us see what they're thinking and understand the culture of the Jewish people when Jesus, uh, I, I say, was very intentional at how he used this story to connect them to something that David said 
so they could really begin to understand who it meant to be the shepherd. Now I said to you that what makes it so personal for me is it's what I do. And, you know, last night when I got that phone call from Pastor Tiffany, oh my gosh, man. I knew she was broken. I knew she was hurt. I knew how much investment she had put into, into the event. There's no one in this church, no one, not even myself, that invests as much heart into this after-prom moment than her. I live with her. It was so much the past couple days, I said, I don't think I want you to do this next year. But it's because there's so much heart into it. It's never about the gifts. It's never about the event. It's never about the, 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 the um, toys and the blow-ups. It's never, it's never about the coffee. It's never about the food. It's always about the kid to her, to her own hurt at times. She'd tell you that. I'm not telling you things she wouldn't tell you. So when I get that phone call last night, I'm as the pastor of me, as the shepherd of me, I can exp- feel every emotion that she's having. I don't want to make this about me. This was about her. And I'm scrounging for words to say and trying to figure out what you could say the wrong word here, or you could say the one that would get her through, or you just might best not say anything at all. And I knew not saying anything was not, because she wouldn't have called me if she didn't need me. Just not who she is. All I could think of was just this one statement. Let's pray. Like, that's going to help. Yeah, right. But we bridged something. We understood that there's a relationship between Jesus and herself. And, and when, I, when I saw the hurt, I could relate to it because that's what I do for you many times. I'll tell you what happened. I, had, I didn't go last night for the first time of the, this ever. I didn't go to the event. And, uh, you know, a little bit of a toss-up of decision there for me, but I, I stayed and kept Hannah's little boy, Caleb. He stayed with me so that she could go stay up all night long, and, and I think I got the better end of the deal, to be honest with you. Little Caleb's pretty awesome. Uh, this kid, he was taking a shower last night, and he, he just does everything. You know, he just shuts the door, and he's in there. He's singing a song in the shower. First of all, I asked him, I said, do you want to take a bath or a shower? Pops, I'm taking a shower. And so, so he took take a shower. He's in there, and I'm standing out, you know, in the bedroom listening. He's singing this song, and he wasn't just singing some song, man. He was singing something that actually made sense. And he comes out, and his hair is all straight. He said, "Pops, look at my hair. It's like yours." And I'm like, "No, you got more than I do." But uh, so I didn't go. But when when I got that call, Caleb and I had already kind of gone to bed. And but then after I heard her heart, and after I heard what was happening, I couldn't go to sleep. Because why? Because the shepherd in me, the pastor in me, that you have the same, wanted to just, how can I fix it? How can I get in there? How can I make it better? And how can I get out there in front? And how can I make sure this doesn't happen again? Can I, I'll just drive to Virginia right now. We'll take two trailers up there right now. We'll, we'll just go beat those guys up and say, you got to come right now. And, and you know, when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, that's what he's saying. I want to go every mile I can for you. I want to understand every emotion and feeling that you're having. And I'm actually the only one that can. So when he, in John chapter 10 here, he begins to talk to these guys, a Jewish people. He understands that they're going to process this probably through the eyes of the words they heard David say. 
He also knows that when they understand the voice of a shepherd and they understand the lifestyle of a shepherd, they're gonna, they know that the shepherd is always giving his life for the sheep. They understand what it means for the shepherd to, to be the one that, of the in and the out of the gate. And so as they begin to see this through these eyes, he knew that he could get to them to a place or they wouldn't receive it all. And he took a matter of their heart and their own knowledge to teach them something about what it means to be relational with our Father. Let's read it real quick. In John chapter 10, beginning with verse 11, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd sacrifices his life for the sheep. A hired hand will run when he sees a wolf coming. He will abandon the sheep because they don't belong to him. And he isn't their shepherd. And so the wolf attacks them and scatters the flock. And the hired hand runs away because he's working only for the money and doesn't really care about the sheep. Anytime you see the word sheep, he's referencing people. And here's what happens with this. So many times ministers have taken this scripture and used it to dictate and try to control people based upon what a sheep is and who they are. And, and honestly, if you look at the, the physical makeup of a sheep and its personality has a little bit of personality, excuse my language, but they would say they're dumb. They don't have much of their own sense. They need a shepherd to come alongside and help them in their life. And pastors have taken that and tried to make people feel lesser. And I'm trying to tell you, that's not what Jesus is doing here. He's trying to bridge them to a place that they are better than that. And the only reason you need a shepherd in your life is because he believes in you and believes in what you have in your life. And he's telling them that that's why there's the true shepherd and the hireling, the one that comes in and takes you to a place that he doesn't want you to go or comes to steal, kill, and destroy you but I'm come to make sure that's not what you get here's what he says verse 14 I am the good shepherd I know my sheep and they know me just as my father knows me and I know the father so I sacrifice my life for the sheep I have other sheep too that are not in the sheepfold now he's including the Gentiles in this. This would be you and I. He says, look, there's people out there that I want to bring into this fold. It's just not for a select few. This is an open door policy. This is everyone that we can reach. And there are people out there right now that are unsaved, that don't know God, that he's trying to get in behind the gate and get into the pasture with him. And sometimes what happens if we're not careful, we can get kind of secluded in our own and forget that there's still room for more. <clears throat> I have other sheep too. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. I want to look at this phrase, good shepherd, real quick. I've already defined the word shepherd for you, but what makes this word shepherd really powerful is the word that he puts in front of it. And it's the word good, because it really begins to define who Jesus wants to be in our lives. I'm not just any shepherd. I'm not just a shepherd that you're used to seeing. There's hundreds of shepherds around you, but this, there's, there's something about me that makes me distinct. There's something that makes me different. There's something that explains my character. There's something that is very beneficial to a good shepherd because actually what the scripture says, the word good seems I am the chiefly good shepherd. And when he uses the word chiefly, he says that this phrase, we've heard seven I am's, we're going to hear seven I he said, this is the most important I am statement that I can make to you, is that I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection and the life, absolutely, but this is the most important I am statement that I can make to you, is that I am good, I'm not trying to take things away from you, I'm trying to get things to you. So when I look at that, here's what he's saying, he says, You're, I'm virtuous, I'm valuable in every sense. I'm essential. 
And he says, I'm honest. Now let's take that right there and let's bridge it a little further into the New Testament and see what this kind of looks like for you and I right now. And then I'll take you to one more scripture today and that's where we'll camp for the rest of the day. In Hebrews chapter 13, verses 20 through 21. Now may the God of peace who brought up from you the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, the shepherd, the great shepherd of the sheep, and ratified an eternal covenant with his blood that he may equip you with all you need for doing his will. May he produce in you through the power of Jesus Christ every good thing that is pleasing to him and all glory to him forever and ever. Amen. Now back that over to the same chapter, the verses 5 and 6, and he explains it prior to this a little bit better. He says, For God has said, I will never fail you, I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? Because I have a shepherd. Poke somebody and say, you've got a shepherd. Now stand up with me this morning. Keep in mind, that was just kind of small introduction a little bit. Because where I'm going now is where I really want us to camp. This is where I really want to explain when he says, I am the good shepherd in the culture that he's in. And when he explains it to these people, to the Jewish people, and when he explains that there's other sheepfold, they knew what it meant to have when he says the Gentiles and he's bringing them into the fold. Now he's captivated them into this setting that, listen, they understand the culture, they understand the ins and outs and the expectations of a sheep, and they understand the expectations of a shepherd. And immediately when this is said, they're processing this. Just kind of go there with me on this. They immediately think of the words of David. Because David describes the shepherd and what happens with the shepherd and how the shepherd comes in into the life of every single one of us in the 23rd Psalm. How many have ever said the 23rd Psalm before? Very powerfully used, something that we use all the time, something that we quote. And if we're not careful, we'll tiptoe across that and not see what's really being, what's happening, what's being said. So now we've taken the New Testament, we've delved into the depth of the New Testament. Now we're going to go back into the old. And that's exactly how Jesus was teaching these Jewish people. He's saying, look, I want to bridge into this moment so you can see what David says about a shepherd. This is who I am. I am the good shepherd. And now this is the bridge to take you to the place where you'll understand the true resurrection. And resurrection, we said, is not something that he wants to do in your life just at Easter. It's something that he wants to do in your life every single day. Let's read the text together this morning. Ready? Let's read. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect me and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Surely, goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, 
and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Now, I saw some of you, that's the New Living Translation. You were immediately going to the King James Version, but at least you got it. I'm glad you had it in here. But uh, before you're seated and we look into this scripture, just a little bit depth to it today. We're going to take a little bit more time with that, and then I'll let you go. Will you give some people a great big warm welcome to me? That is those, it's your first time here. We're so glad you're here. Come on, let them know we're glad they're here. You can sit down. Let's look into this scripture just a little bit and see if we can get some more out of it with us today. <clears throat> Two things I want you to see, first of all, when you look at this in very familiar scripture. Keeping in mind, he's talking to a group of people that understand the responsibility of a shepherd. And so they can picture, they imagine what the things are even tools that a shepherd would use and what kind of lifestyle the shepherd would live and what the responsibilities and what identified him as a shepherd. They could see all of this and he was very tactful in how he presented it. But if we could stay in John chapter 10 forever and pull out a lot of good meat and a lot of good stuff that will be beneficial to us, but there's a little bit more here that I want you to see. Number one thing I want you to see that's happening in the 23rd Psalm that Jesus is pointing out over here in the New Testament is simply this, that the good shepherd is active. He's not a passive God. He's not a passive shepherd. He's actively walking and wanting to be involved in your life. What kind of words did we see? He's leading. He's guiding. He's renewing. He's standing close by, he's protecting, he's comforting, he's preparing, he's pursuing. I know, guys, with everything within me that there are times we're not so sure if God's actually working in our life based upon the outward circumstances. I know that we live in a world that is surrounded by media, surrounded by media on your hip, and if we're not careful and you watch that, it would be very easy to come to a conclusion that God's not working at all. There's no doubt that there's an opportunity for us to even have a question. Where are you, God? I prayed. I said exactly what I was supposed to. I quoted the 23rd Psalm. I quoted Psalm 91. But I don't see you actively working in my life. What's happening, God? Anybody ever had the question, are you going to show up now or are you going to wait till later? Because now would be a really good time to show up. Later's too late, God. We have a tendency to take matters into our own hands at times and get beyond and move forward so far that we forget that there is a plan that God's working in our life. And if we're not too, maybe not willing to slow down a little bit, maybe you're just going to get so far out there that you bring hurt to yourself. And I said to you a couple of weeks ago, and this is kind of the, where the rubber meets the road on understanding that the active side of God is working in your life. We just quoted Hebrews chapter 13, 5 and 6, that he'll never fail me. Never, he's not going to leave me. And I can have confidence in that he's doing that. But being willing to admit that I don't necessarily see that, doesn't matter what I feel. Doesn't matter what I see. My hope will always be. I said to you a couple weeks ago, there is a side to faith in the expectation of what Jesus is doing into your life. Faith is actually choosing and making a decision to believe that the Word of God is working. It's not going to fail and it's not going to let me down. And I'm telling you, it has never let us down. 
We can move into the life experiences that we've had. And if you backtrack and look at the backside of experience and you begin to look at where you were and where you are now and where you've been, there's a good chance that you would see this good God that you're talking about, this good God that we're making reference to here that's really been active all along. And he's so active in our life that, if, that he's wanting to write the story for you, wanting to write your path, but it takes a place of making a choice that maybe I, I'm going to just take it to another place of belief. But I'm going to allow myself to be persuaded in something that I can't feel and something that I can't see. And then there's another powerful thing here that you begin to see in this chapter in the 23rd Psalm that takes it beyond just the active side to the place where, yes, he's working behind the scenes and I can't necessarily always see that, but it's the place that he also wants to get personal with you. Not only is he active, he's personal about you. He's very intentional about you as an individual because if you read the New Living Translation and other translations as well, but I know in the New Living there are 13 pronouns in this chapter where it references I, me, and it's constantly David is making it very clear. He says this in the, he says, I will protect and comfort me. You prepare a feast for me. You honor me by anointing my head, my cup. Surely goodness and mercy and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life. He's actively leading into your life, trying to get into your personal life, and trying to have a personal relationship with you. So when Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, they can see this is getting a little bit closer than just something that I have to do. It's something that starts to become relational. Now, I want you to go to uh, Proverbs, Psalms chapter 23 and look at verse 4 because it begins to take us into a deeper place. It begins to explain this active. It begins to explain this personal and begins to explain this characteristic of God and put some tangible things to it so that I can actually measure it and maybe actually see where this thing has been working and how do I actually see that? And what's something so powerful is next week we're going to come back into the place and our final I am will be I am the vine. And we'll take I am the vine and show you how to connect the dots to all of these characteristics of Jesus and all of these personalities of who he is. We'll begin to connect the dots to it so that you can walk out with a a how-to or an application of that. But he begins it right here in this verse, in verse chapter 4. Look at this with me. Even when I walk through the darkest valley... I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. I want to stop right there. He says, even in the darkest valley, even in the shadow, even in the place where it's the darkest place of your life, again, remember, he's talking to a group of people that would understand what a shepherd does, that would understand the responsibility of a shepherd. And so when he says, I'm going to be in the darkest place of your life, I'll be in that moment where you don't think anyone else is, understand the, what, some of the responsibility of a shepherd. A shepherd knows every inch of the land. A shepherd not only knows every inch of the land, he knows every pitfall that a sheep could fall in. Not only does he know every pitfall, he understands every predator that could be out there in the land. How about your own life? Jesus knows every stitch, every step of your life that you're walking. He knows every area that you've walked before. He knows what pitfalls are coming down the road. He knows what predators might come to steal, kill, and destroy for you. And he says that along your course and along your darkest valley, I don't care if it's light or dark, he says, I can be the one that will bring life and bring it to you abundantly. 
again, as I begin to understand who the I am is, look at this next part of this verse. I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. He says, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. It's interesting. There were two tools that identified a shepherd. And when you think of the identification of a shepherd, and I think of the Jewish culture, and I think of these people, when Jesus began to tell them, I am the good shepherd, they're thinking what identifies a shepherd. And they know that he carries two main tools. A modern day would not carry a club called the rod, according to Scripture. But there are things, when you look at this, it's very distinct in how it was made. It was made with a club on the end of it. And he says, I am the rod. I am the staff. He says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The rod is always a type and shadow of the word. And what he says is that he's letting them know when they think of the rod, they know that Jesus used this, not Jesus, but a shepherd would use this to throw out and to destroy a predator. That's what the, the, the uh, offensive side of this rod was for. It also was an extension of his right arm. It's interesting that a, sheep, a shepherd never beat his sheep. He only led them by the nudging and his voice. They were trained from the time they were born till the, as they grew to be moved by the movement, forward movement of the arm and the still small voice. And the rod, not only was it an extension of the arm, and I think this is what's really so powerful, is there was, there was a statement that was a, a, a use of this, that it was called coming under the rod. And he would use the other end of it, and when his sheep would be out in pasture, and his sheep would come back and forth in the gate, and remember, he's always watching, and he's always pulling in, and he's bringing them in and out. Remember, when the sheep would come in, he would always, he would use the other side of this end of this rod, and he would run it down the back of the wool of the sheep and pull up the wool. What he was doing was he was pulling back the wool to see if there was anything affecting the skin, anything that would affect the rest of the sheep, anything that would come into the place that could cause harm to him and that could bring destruction to him or kill him. He was under the rod. And the word of God gets in and the Bible says, when you incline your ear unto my sayings and let them not depart from mine eyes, there will be life and health to all your flesh. And so when I look at the rod as a symbol, as a type of the word, I know that the word of God in my life, and that's what he was saying, that the she- I got ready to throw it. He says that the shepherd will come into your life. And John said in the very first verse of John, he says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word is God. And so when he was talking to them as a shepherd, he knew that he could rely and know that the word of God coming in the grace and the covenant that you and I live in not only would be a symbol of his outstretched arm, not only would be a symbol of protection and protecting us from disease, not only would it be a symbol of authority, something that I could stand on, it would become the thing that I could stand on for the rest of my life. But he goes on and he says, you know, my rod and my staff, are those things that comfort me. The staff was a very interesting tool as well because it was used for nudging the sheep. It was used for pulling back on the sheep. 
It was used for lifting up on the sheep if they ever got into a place where they fell off a cliff. It was used to rescue them. <laughs> it was also used as a, as a symbol of his authority, not just his authority, but who he would be in their life. It was letting them know, and the, peop- the Jewish culture would know that this would be a symbol of his pursuit. One of the things that was very powerful about the shepherd's staff was it was used to pull sheep together. And you see, the enemy loves to get amongst the sheep and cause division and to separate you. And the staff was always, has always in the scriptures been a type and shadow of the Holy Spirit. And if Jesus said, it was better that I would go. If I don't go, he's not going to come. But when I do go, if you accept him and you welcome him in your heart, one thing that happens, he comes and he makes his abode into your life. Artie and Pam, you guys can stand up. And remember, he never beats the sheep. It's always with a still, small voice. It's always with the sound of a voice, how he leads. It's always with a simple nudging, contrary, opposite of religion. Religion makes you want to have to. Religion wants to force you into something. And Jesus is making it very clear. This new relationship, this I am the shepherd, is relational. And I want to be active in your life. I want to get personal with your life. I'm not coming to control you. I'm coming to bring goodness into your life that's unleashed and released in a way that you could never experience it any other way. You guys face that way. There are times you're walking down the road and you'll have this kind of a push, kind of a nudge. Some people are sinners. It takes them a while to get them to go. You guys can go ahead and start walking. <laughs> they need a lot of nudging. You guys can sit down. I'm wondering... I'm wondering if many times, as Pastor Tiffany so eloquently said last week, he's at the gate of your heart, watching what's coming in and watching what's going out, always protecting and trying to draw you into the sheepfold, always wanting to get you to that place where he's trying to draw you together because we're better together, and there's always that opportunity for us to get out and to be challenged by the outward things of life and to be pulled to do our own thing. Remember what he said to those that there are wolves out there. There are those that get out there that are not for your better, not for your good. And one of the number one tactics of the enemy is to get you, the devil, is to get you isolated into yourself and think you're more than you are and get you better than you are. And he was letting them know very clearly that you'll need a shepherd in your life, not just a pastor, but you'll need Jesus in your life. He says, I am the good shepherd. Chiefly, this is the most important I am to ever know, is that I want to come into your life and be active. I want to come into your life and be personal. And so that you don't have to depend on yourself, and you're not just looking for an individual. Sorry, I spit on you. I'm going to send my person of the Holy Spirit to be your staff. John chapter 14 says that he'll come be your counselor. He'll come be your standby. He'll come be your advocate. He'll come be your teacher. He'll come be your helper. And when I look at the new covenant and I look at the one that I live in now, you can stand up with me this morning. There's nothing that comes from a relationship with Jesus into the heart of a man that's ever meant to hurt him, that's ever meant to control him. It's always meant to bring him to a place of closer fellowship. And to be a place in his life that will establish his life for eternity 
and to be on a journey that will be successful and then bring the goodness in the wildest sense of his life. And he says two ways that that begins to happen is allowing the word of God to be your foundation, the rod in your life. Let it get into your life and dig into the secret places of your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to be the one that comes to stand by. And if you start to get off, don't you leave me, woman, I'll pull you back in. You can trust and have confidence that he'll pull you back in. He won't lead you astray. People will. Know the fold. Know the sheep. Know those that are on your side. And know that there are more to come in. Trust the word. Trust the staff, the Holy Spirit. And you'll see life with the I am, the good shepherd.